What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk the Podcast. This is Money, your newly uh, morning bitch. Yes, I've been getting up early lately, and y'all know I do not do mornings, so that's a big change. Yes, and if you are looking at your calendar right now, like, wait a minute, is it really been two weeks since the last episode? No, it hasn't. We are um, attempting to drop an episode for y'all every week this month, because it's Pride Month, so in celebration of Pride Month, we're trying to drop an episode every week. No, we usually bi-weekly. We're going to try to drop it every week. Um, Nikita is not here right now. I'm just doing the little, like, intro part. Um, but don't worry, you'll get to hear her voice that I know y'all love so much um, <laughs> through the rest of the episode. I'm just going to do my little parts uh, and yeah, just intro y'all. Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe inside my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type, darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, taint you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you to jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. So, first I wanted to start out with where y'all can find us. Um Thank y'all so much for following the Instagram. I feel like I need to be more active on there because that's that's the platform that y'all are most active on. So thank y'all for hitting us up there at Queer Walk Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at Queer Walk Pod. You can find the Facebook page and like us at Queer Walk colon the podcast. Or you can go to where it all started at QueerWalk.com, which is the Tumblr. All right. So usually right here, I would tell y'all, how to contribute via the PayPal or the Patreon. But this month, what I really want us to work on is visibility. Because that's what Pride is all about, right? Um, so how you can contribute this month. You see, look at me. Um, it, Nikita would be so proud that I'm not doing the for-profit shit. I'm not even asking y'all for your money. Just post the hashtag. Um, post when you're listening to the episodes. Link a friend. Um, if, if when I post the episode, you know, somebody who will really be interested in what we're talking about, um, tag them in it. I challenge you all to tag a friend, uh, to something that we've posted, sub submit something, you know, really get the community to grow. So if you listening to this by yourself, cackling, I love it, but also tap a friend so that they can get in on the cackle too, you know? Yeah, so that's how you can contribute this month. You know, just just get us out there. Um, visibility. And if you know any other um, queer POC podcasts, too, link them to us. I feel like a, uh, I always see tweets of people being like, this is the only queer podcast I know. And I think we do a good job because we're, you know, we community-minded uh, and oriented over here. So I think we do a good job of trying to, like, reach out. And connect people. So, you know, we ain't the only queer podcast out there. So, 
Even if that means connecting us to other queer podcasts that you listen to. Yeah. Link us up. So since Nikita's not here, Riri, I guess, going to try to be the co-host. But no. Go away, Riri. (laughs) Okay. I also want to remind y'all that when it comes to visibility, make sure you're using the hashtag. Uh, So... Like I said before, we are using the hashtag three specific ways for Pride Month. We are using it to respond to the episodes. Like if you're listening and, you know, something come up, just tag your post, hashtag queer W-O-C. You can also use the hashtag this month to submit your Pride photos. You know, we want to see y'all out there thotting and bopping and frolicking. Um, So use the hashtag and we'll retweet it. Um, I see people using the hashtag on Instagram with pride photos, but I don't, I don't, I I guess I'll just have to message everybody like, hey, do I have permission to repost this? Um, But maybe I should put them on. And then the last way you could use the hashtag is to suggest a queer woman of color or a topic or a question that you want me and Nikita to answer. Um, So yeah, so use hashtag QueerWOC to respond to the the episodes, to submit your pride photos, or to suggest a topic, a queer woman of color, or ask me and Nikita a question. All right, y'all. So I'm going to move it on along to Queer Walk of the Week. And uh, like I said last episode, I am going to um, highlight badass trans women of color who we have to thank for this month uh anyway the entire month so um this week's queer walk of the week is miss major griffin gracie who i had the privilege of meeting uh when i went to the spectrum conference at uh, colgate university so you know uh, like i said before so often we don't get to meet you know like the greats and the 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 baddies, um, and I was just like so taken by Miss Major. And she said she liked my outfit. She told me I was cute. She told me I had a really pretty smile. You know, we was just sitting there affirming each other and our greatness and shit. It was amazing. Um, but for those of you who don't know who Miss Major is, um, Miss Major is is basically like a veteran in this struggle for, for queer um rights. Uh she is she was, like, there at Stonewall for the Stonewall Rebellion. Um, she describes herself as a uh, survivor of Attica State Prison, um, where she was um, incarcerated. She's a former sex worker. Uh, she's a queer and trans elder in um, in the community. And she's still an activist, y'all. Like, she's still working and doing stuff. And so I just want to highlight, like, a little bit of things that she's done. Because, I mean, when you have more than a 40-year career, it's kind of like when we were talking about Barbara Smith. How do you even sum up someone who has been doing work for us um, for more than 40 years? I mean, you just, you can't, damn it. Like, I can't do it justice. But So I'm just going to give y'all, like, highlights of how incredible Miss Major is. So, first of all, I want to start with that. She's, tr- I'm, I'm promise y'all I'm not sick. I, these allergies is kicking my ass today. Um, so, so she is still a, um, a active part of the Transgender, Gender Variant, and Intersex Justice Project, uh, which is sometimes called TGI or TGIJP, um, in San Francisco. 
she used to be the executive director of TGI. And so now she's just kind of, you know, like around because she's, you know, she's an elder now. So she, she need to be uh, chillaxing out here. Yeah. But she was the executive director of, um, that she, um, she was actually like part of like organizing, uh, the TGI. And so, um, I mean, just that work in itself is enough to make her queer walk of the week. But I wanted, you know, to, like, go back <laughs> and bring it forward. So, um, like I said, she was at the Stonewall Rebellion, which is uh, what we have to thank for Pride Month and Pride celebrations um, to begin with. Um, she organized closely with Sylvia Rivera, who was Queer Walk of the Week on the last episode. If you haven't heard that episode, go check it out. Um, and also activists like Marsha P., um, who are, you know, a lot, a lot more sung. Um, there was a there was a documentary made about Miss Major called Major. Um, I would suggest y'all check it out. And she was also featured in Janet Mock's um, documentary. I should look it up. What is it called? The Trans List. That's what it's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so Miss Major was featured in there. So um, and check that out if you haven't seen that too, because that that uh, that documentary is amazing. Like it really goes deep into people's stories. Yeah, so um, Miss Major has just been like an incredible leader in um, like work. So, so in finding her, you know, trans identity in the fifties and sixties, similar to like when I was talking about Sylvia Rivera on the last episode, when when like there were weren't even words for this, and the the movement of the time was centered around cis gay and lesbians and I would say even more like gay and sort of like trying to mainstream um she was just one of the people who wasn't having it and sort of saw 40 years ago that these you know these identity first politics don't work that movements need to be intersectional and so yeah she was she was arrested at the Stonewall um riots and uh also like did organizing within prisons of sex workers. How fucking badass is that? You get locked up trying to fight for for queer shit and then you organize within the prison for the girls. Like, I mean, just combating state violence and cis-heteronormativity at every turn. And so, of course, we're going to celebrate Miss Major. And so I also wanted to plug, so I'm going to put a link in the description, um, Raquel Willis, who uh, is... I guess our generation, um, bad bitch, uh, trans activist wrote a piece on, um, Miss Major. And I think it's really important. I, I listed it as one of the ways you can celebrate pride to read, um, queer walk authors. And so I'm going to link Raquel's piece in the description box. And I'm also going to link a fundraiser to Miss Major's retirement fund. So really similar to the ways um, that we talked about Barbara Smith when she when we had the like honor of interviewing her. There's no retirement plan for activists, but we know that the community will always show up for for you. Right. Um, I know we've been going through it up here in Syracuse, but something that has just felt so incredible to me is how the community shows up for each other. And somebody who has been so instrumental in not just the trans um, liberation movement, but also like black liberation movements, intersectional liberation movements like Miss Major, she definitely deserves our support. So um, there is like a, a major caring circle 
um, which is a monthly donation you can do, or you can hit up the GoFundMe, which is, you know, y'all know how GoFundMe works. It's just like a one-time donation. Um, and so, yeah, rally around our um, our elders, y'all, because like right now we are literally living in the labor that they put in for liberation. Like we get to celebrate p- pride all June um, because of sacrifices and organizing like the work that Miss Major did. So I'm going to put the link in the description and y'all make it do what it do. Miss Major, Queer Walk of the Week. And I'm going to post the picture with me and her because we was both cute. (laughs) All right. So last time me and Nikita was flying through this so quickly um, because like I said, y'all, it's uh, been a lot uh, in Syracuse. So we forgot to do the community contributors on the last episode. So I'm going to go ahead and give y'all, you know, y'all much needed shout out and dues here. Um, so I first want to shout out Caroline, Hazel, and Janae for hitting up the PayPal. Thanks, y'all. You know, them, them PayPal donations is cute, and they ain't really come in handy. Because, uh, like I said, we trying to get this, uh, we trying to get this merch off the ground and also this second mic because I'm loud as fuck and Nikita mumbles. So, you know, we need to balance out. Also, I want to send a huge shout out and thanks to Lisa, Virginia, Jasmine, and Devana for becoming new patrons. Uh, thank y'all so much. Um, and make sure that you're putting um, your address information if you are doing the Lord level, I think it's called, of a patron because then we can send you stickers. Um, yeah. And so you get, you know, you get the merch. Um, so make sure you're putting your address in. So, yep, thanks all of y'all. Sorry for missing those shout-outs last time. Um, And then for the rest of you who are listening, who did not get a shout-out, you can get one by rating us on iTunes. We're still trying to reach the 100 by the end of Pride Month. Um, We're at, like, 70 now. I think last time I checked. So, thank y'all for coming through with that. We just need 30 more reviews, y'all. And I know from looking at the numbers of people who listen that there's more than that who listen on the Apple devices. So just go ahead and give us a rating. Like, it's so quick, um, and it helps a lot. Um, Because like I said, we're working. How you can contribute this month is work on our visibility, and that's a great way to do it. You know, we show up in searches more. So 30 more, y'all. We can do it. Go ahead and rate us on iTunes or the Apple device that you listen on i don't know shit about that i use a droid (laughs) but go ahead and do that all right so before i get into uh the rest of the episode with um me and nikita because i know y'all like oh i miss kita she's here in spirit though because y'all hear my pages flipping right yeah (laughs) so i'm going to do um a mental moment that uh, is going to talk about suicide. So I'm going to put the, like, timestamp so y'all will know. Um, this is Well, this is the segment. So that y'all know this is what the segment is about. Um, I don't think it's going to be triggering because I'm not going to be talking about, um, like, anything like that. I'm actually going to be talking about how you can show up for someone or check in on someone. So I wanted to do this mental moment. Um, and I asked Nikita, I was like, you cool with me like recording a segment without you, right? Because I think it's, it's so timely right now. 
if you've been on uh, social media in like the past two weeks, you've seen that uh, there's been a lot of conversation about like checking in with your strong friends or just like checking in with friends in general because there's been some like pretty devastating losses uh, due to suicide. And so, um, so I did, I told, I told y'all before, I used to be a clinical mental health counselor before I was a marriage and family therapist. And so that means that, uh, I was trained intensely in like trauma work and, uh, um, I don't know, like crisis intervention, but yeah, I got a lot of training in that. And one thing that we learned was about, um, like, like on the spot suicide, uh, assessments. And I, the, the one that I really like for folks who don't have a background in mental health, but who just want to do something, it's like, okay, you telling me to check in, but like, how the fuck do I check in? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to teach y'all that now for the mental moment. So, um, and this is, I should say, this is inspired by, um, the, uh, well, the last few episodes of a lot of things, but, um, like I was listening to bag ladies. I was listening to, um, Anzal doing it, and I was listening to Tea with Queen and Jay, and they all in different ways sort of touched on, like, how do you check in? Or, like, um, just, like, mental well-being and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, shit, (laughs) that's my stuff. So let me get in my bag and, like, do something on it. So the way that I remember this check-in is, because y'all know I like my acronyms, the acronym is PIMP, P-I-M-P, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> Pimp. Um, <laughs> no exploitation. <laughs> All right. So the first P stands for plan. So let's say you you go to check in with a friend, right? And they're like, "I'm not good." Um, so you can run down you can run down this uh, list that I'm about to give you. So the first is a plan, like. Use use the words. Um, if suicide feels like too scary for you to say, t- so you can say things like, "Have you thought about ways that you would end your life?" Some other, but you want to be like direct because saying things like passively could like leave it open, too open. Um, and so, so I don't, I don't want y'all to be scared about like doing harm because I promise you, just having the conversation with somebody is uh, is help within itself um because it's such a a social stigma just talking about it feels like a weight off of folks shoulders oftentimes um but you want to be specific because you want to know how to help right so the concretes of what you can do um the more of those you have the more empowered you'll have in like trying to be there for them right so the first one a plan um i always ask about like uh like have they uh like attempted before or like have they had a plan before have they made a plan before um how specific is this plan like get details about it um have them really talk it out right and and in this like process of talking out you're there for them and so uh it might be really hard to hear some of this especially because this is your friend or this is a loved one somebody that you're really close to but I forget the, the like, technical name for the word, but, like, when somebody is able to see that you can listen to their problems and it doesn't break you, you know? Like, you like you not dysregulated and just up here like, ah, oh, bitch, no! <laughs> like, when you actually are listening to them, 
um, it sort of like does something for them of like, wow, like I thought that this problem was big enough to end my life over. And this person is sitting here listening to it. So maybe there is hope, you know? And so I know it, it I know how it is, you know, y'all, y'all know I'm a therapist. I know how it is to hear people talk about wanting to do horrible things to themselves or, uh, like wanting to end their life and feeling like the world is just too heavy to deal with. Um, I know it's hard, but I promise you, you just being there um, to listen to it and not breaking is healing for that person. So that's the P, the plan. Get the plan and if, if they've like planned it before and stuff like that. The I is intent. So this is like, are they set on it, basically? Marsha's weight was um, talking about this in like this, this bullying conversation. But yeah, if you are really set on it, get a sense of that. Like... How long have they been thinking about this? What stopped them from doing it before? How? Why are they so set on it now? Like, get get them to list reasons. And again, like, having them talk through it brings them more present. The more concrete they could be, like, if they say, oh, yes, I've been, you know, thinking about it for a while now. How long? How long? Give me, give me a time, a time frame. The more specific they can be and the more concrete, the more you bringing them into the moment. It's called a grounding technique. Yeah, I know I love my grounding techniques. It brings people there and it's, it kind of like forces them to sit in the moment with you, which um, a lot of times anxiety and depression force people to not feel in the moment, force people to not feel connected. So the more you can make them feel connected in the moment, the more you're helping. The M stands for means. So you've already done an excellent job with the P, the first P, so you know the plan. So M is like, do they have access to this plan, basically? So, like, if your friend, if y'all are in Syracuse, New York, and your friend is talking about, like, jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge, but they ain't got money to get to New York City, or, like, they don't have a car to get to drive there, um, okay, so this plan, this means, it doesn't seem like you have the means to complete this plan, um, but if, if you know that your friend like owns, um, medications that they could like overdose on or something and their plan involves like taking pills, for example, then they have the means. And so then, so then that's like more information for you, right? Like, oh, they have this plan to do this thing that they can actually complete. Um, and so the last P is preparation. And so this is this is stuff you might have noticed in just knowing the person um, or it's things you can ask about right now after maybe you found out that they do have the means to complete their plan or they don't have the means to complete their plan. So what preparation means is a lot of times when people are thinking of ending their lives, they start to do things to get ready. So they this might be like, Elaborate things like giving away possessions that they really hold near and dear to them, saying goodbyes to people in ways like, you know, you've been such an incredible person to me in my life. And like having those conversations with a lot of different people, seeming as if they're getting like their affairs in order suddenly. So I don't know, like it's like talking about like if something was to happen to me, this is who this would go to or like who their money would go to putting somebody else on their bank account. Like when they start suddenly doing things like that, those are the P's for preparation. And so like asking about that, asking if they've been doing stuff like that. But again, I, like I said, it's, it could also be noticing. Like you might notice, bitch, you used to love that coat. Why are you giving it away? You know? So like 
if they start to give away things and, and prepare for what seems like the end. Um, and so I'm going to run through it really quick again. So y'all remember pimp plan intent means and preparation. That's the four things that you're hitting on when you're checking in with a friend that um, might be thinking about suicide. One thing I want to add is that this con- like remind them that they are not a burden because a lot of times when you check in with somebody, the reason why you needed to check in is because they didn't reach out. Depression has this like really ele- <laughs> this really like tricky ass way of making people feel like they're too much. Like, I'm going to put this shit out in the world, and it's just going to be too much for everybody else. Nobody else can handle this. I'm the only one with this emotion. Um, And, like, from what I've seen lately, like, depression just seems to be on the rise. And I really think it's because it's a symptom of this fuck-ass society. But continue to give that message around, you are not a burden. This is not too heavy for me. I am thankful that I am here to talk with you through this because it would be really hurtful if I didn't know any of this and all this came at me suddenly. What if you found out like your friend attempted and you didn't even talk to him and you didn't, you didn't have any idea they were even in that headspace, right? Like it's a lot, a lot more jarring when things like that happen. Continuously asking during, during this pimp, (laughs) the plan, intent, means, and preparation, what do you need? Do you need me to like stop asking you questions right now? Okay, but if I stopped asking you questions, what would we talk about? Um, Do you need some water? You want me to call your mama? Uh, Is your bae there? Is anybody watching the dog? Like, like asking what they need. Uh, Again, like I said, as the more concrete you could get, the more you bring people back down from anxiety and depression. And um, say that it's real. Like a lot of times. What I found is most effective when people are feeling suicidal or feeling like um, like uh, suicidal thoughts are taking over their brain is just saying like, yeah, like I understand how you could feel that way and not making them feel like it's completely out of the box because depression is already doing that. Anxiety is already doing that. They're loud and clear. But for you to be there and be like, I can understand how you would feel that way. Like, what you're describing to me is a lot. And it is not because you're crazy. I can understand, given your experiences, why you feel that. You know? So, like, like saying, like, yeah, this shit is real. Like, just that affirmation in itself, I've seen that, like, completely transform people from thinking about, like, ending their life. Because it's like, damn, I was thinking that nobody else would understand. And here you go sitting here with me. Um, And so I hope this helps because I know a lot of people were like, how do you check in? Pimp. (laughs) Pimp is, that's the, um, that's the psychological first aid kit is pimp. Plan, intent, means, preparation. Um, And I'm going to (laughs) add, because I know I can't do shit without being a black girl. I'm going to add to, um, y'all should just Google the hashtag squad care because there's been a lot of pieces written about it. But the reason why I know about it is because my friend Sherry Williams, uh, Dr. Sherry Williams, wrote a piece about squad care also because I don't think you need to be doing this check-in alone. Um, Like I said, I'm trained. I'm a mental health professional, so I feel comfortable doing this. But even me, like I got to, what we're going through up here in Syracuse, I got a whole 
gang of bad bitches who support me. So, um, we, we call ourselves the Magical Baddies United. Like, um, and so I know, like, if, if this person that I'm checking in with and, like, doing this with feels like nobody else is there or nobody else will understand, the more of us that show up, the more that feeling can't be there. So, Get your squad together, y'all. Squad care. I'm going to put the hashtag in the um, description box, but definitely. Because if you do this uh, check-in and it feels really much like this person is set on ending their life and they're your loved one and you don't want them to do that, somebody needs to be en route to their house. Because there's nothing more preventative as a factor than not being alone. Yeah, so so maybe you're doing this over the phone Somebody need to be en route to their house. So get your squad together before you check in. Because then you're going to also need somebody to process shit with after, right? Um, and if you're doing this in person, maybe you have somebody that you texted beforehand to be like, hey, I'm going over to so-and-so's house because I just want to check in, right? Um, so so it's a, a community care. Community, y'all. We, we don't say that word lightly over here. Y'all know that. I Hope that that gives y'all some more teeth to this um, check-in conversation that's been going on. Um, and if anybody has, like, other experiences of how they've they've checked in with friends and how it's, um, how the, the, like, outcome of that, you could definitely throw that in the hashtag, too. Or just send us an email at queerwalkpod at gmail.com. I would love to hear. If anybody else has any other acronyms, because, you know... <laughs> Um, I love an acronym. So <laughs> if you have any other acronyms for like how to check in or like really quick in the moment suicide assessments. So, yeah. So that's my mental moment. All right. So the topic for this week's what's episode you, is. What's with the expressive the shoulder, shoulders? Expressive shoulders? Because I'm just singing. That's actually I'm not the topic. In. That's misleading. We're not doing coming out stories. We're talking about being it's out, out in the workplace. Okay. Oh, you just ruined it for I'm me. Sorry. I would have been misled if I would have heard that intro. I was. I wasn't done. You just. You just. You. How can you ask me to intro this and then summarily shut me down? See what the fuck is summarily, Nikita? Like totally. Okay, you could have said totally. Well, you totally <laughs> shut me down. The point is, we did talk about... I was using the part about out. Okay. Out in the workplace. So we just talk about a lot of fun and amazing things. A lot of important information about how we navigate being here, queer, fabulous, don't fuck with us, in the workplace. Maybe this is a question going into it. Like, do you think that there are <laughs> there is a profession where it wouldn't be a big deal to be gay? Yeah, like Cause I was probably a like a gay something. <laughs> <laughs> like if you were, oh, like a like a, a director of an LGBT studies program, yeah, something, gay. or like yeah, a, a LGBT counselor or something, or like you work at a gay bar. It's not a big deal. Or those yeah. are the, so only queer spaces. Is yeah. it not a big deal? Okay, because I was gonna say like we both work in professions where like it could like literally impact. Like, yeah, our jobs being gay. Like, I think about like what clients I get and don't get. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know that 
a client in the past asked my supervisor why I did not inform her that I was gay because I'm going to be working with her kids. Oh, and so and anybody already starting from that question, yeah, that like you know it's implied mm-hmm. and it's like wow, yeah. I don't know. I feel so. I'm going to sound like what you know the conservatives call a coastal elite, but I'm just like I know that homophobia is real, but I just like. And I know that people are homophobic, and I know that there are institutions, you know, that make lives, you know, of queer people really hard. But I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm just like, why are people still homophobic? Yeah. Like, yeah. so at this, so of course, at my when I was a, uh, a you know, a paid, you know, organizer, I was, mm-hmm. you know, I was gay, and like, you know, most of the people on our board and people we were involved, you know, who were, like, volunteers of me, just gay, 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 mm-hmm. gay, gay, gay. You were skipping into the office. <laughs> right, right. Rainbows and butterflies. Basically. So at this new job, you know, it's, you know, very dude, bro, you know, it's a trade, so you know mm-hmm. what kind of people are there. And so, like, this one guy was asking me, and it's so funny because it's so many interesting differences, because, um, you know, especially coming... Well, with most of my friends, a lot of my friends being, like, in the academy, no, but all of us are in our late 20s, 30s, mm-hmm. 40s, and, like, a handful of our friends, and by a handful, I mean, like, two, are, like, married with kids. Yeah. But, like, everybody in my in my new job, like, most people are, like, married. Mm-hmm. And even, and it's not just, like, the older guys, but even, like, the guys who are, like, younger than me, like, have families. And so people, they'll be like, oh, are you married? And, like. And, like, this one time, somebody was like, do you have kids? And I was like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. And they were like, what? And it's like, oh, like, why wouldn't a woman want yeah. kids? Yeah. And this one time, I was at this job, and we were making, like, um, a decent amount of money. It was, like, pretty good money. And the guy, he was like, do you have a boyfriend? And I was like, no. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to laugh at What are you? you like, I was like, what about my presentation makes right. you think I like men? And he was like, because he was like, I was going to ask you, like, how, do you, how does it feel to make, you know, how does your boyfriend feel you know, about you making more money than him. And I was like, I'm a man. Because, like, the job the job is, like, it was... Like, I like how you were offended more of that, at the assumption that you would be involved with a man. But I was like, just like... <laughs> then, you know, the idea of, you know, some old school idea about a woman making more right. than Right. Right. So it's like, I guess, like, technically, I, like, I'm not out um, at work, but I'm just like... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Right. What do you mean you're not out? You show up, you out. Right. I mean, that's what I thought. <laughs> but like, they're like, oh, I, like, do you have a? Are you a husband? I feel like when people do that, they are like coming from two places. One is like intentionally doing it to make you name it. I think people have done that with me, yeah. and I don't. I mean, and I'm not even like I'm low film, and or that they are just. I think it's like I think it's that it's like, the latter. So. It's like oblivious so, yeah. to the fact that like people could be queer in the world. Right, exactly. I think that's what it is. But I'm like, it's not that it's not that many women in the trades. You, yeah. know, you don't want to get into stereotypes. Yeah, but I'm yeah. like, what do you think my big butch ass exactly. is doing here? Yeah, yeah. I was, well, as you were talking, I was thinking about like, I don't know, like different uh, parts of the queer community and like how I think it's definitely different for me to be out at work as, like, a, a cisgender lesbian than it would be if I was, like, um, not cis. Right. And, like, didn't have, like, a, a easily digestible sexuality. Right, you know? right, right. It, 
like we talked about this before. I think on the like polls, like straight and gay, like I think people are like, all right. But right. when whenever it's like non monosexual, right, whatever, right. like whenever it's not singular right. in your attraction, like people are like, whoa. Right. So um, that sounds weird to say, but I do think it's like like easier when I say I'm gay for people to just be like, oh, right, because I have I have had the experience of being like. I'm queer and people are like whoa 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 what what you mean <laughs> what you mean like what does that mean right <laughs> like, uh, you know that's right, my right? mama like when you say queer what you mean yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah so um I think for me it, it it definitely feels a lot more roomy to be gay uh. As a marriage and family therapist. Sure. As opposed to when I was a counselor and in clinical mental health counseling. Say um, why. What's the difference? It's so odd because, like, uh, a, uh, marriage and family therapy in this country, I mean, you could tell by the name. It's like, hella, it was had such conservative, like, roots and was, like, started by, like, mostly Mormons. Um, and, oh. it, like, had a very particular idea about what family meant, what marriage meant. Um, and all those things, and I, I guess, like, those people who started are, like, rolling over in their graves now, and my, right. <laughs> my big dikey ass is right. like, <laughs> and they're like, what is that bird call that she continues to do? Um, but the reason, the reason why I think I have, like, more room to be gay as a marriage and family therapist, uh, one is because my advisor is queer, um, and so, huh? I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, she's like very, she's mm. very vocal about it. Oh, I missed um, that. And so, I, that was not an experience I had in counseling. And also, marriage family therapists are relational thinkers, like similar to social workers. So, right. like, they don't see things as like individual experiences. They see things as like relational right. and um, systemic. Right. And so, yeah, so if like, oh, if we're defining family this way, who are we leaving out? Right. That's like a, a question that's readily at the top of the heads of right. like family therapists, um, or should be if you're a good family therapist. Um, and so I've I've felt like more okay. And you know, I'm in a particular program in marriage and family therapy too. Like we have a transgender team yeah. um at the clinic in the program that I'm in and uh I mean that that wasn't like by any kind of like but I don't, what is that word like great grace of yeah, yeah, the yeah. department it was through activism organizing of, sure yeah organizing of the students so um there's that uh i i'm also in for better or worse like central new york which i think um wants to believe that it's queer friendly yeah does it yeah i think so central, i think it's ithaca ithaca Syracuse, rochester but be but like Central New York broadly? No, 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 no. Oh well, that's all I think about when I think of Central. New York. <laughs> I think about us, Rochester, yeah, <laughs> maybe Buffalo, yeah, um, and Ithaca, yeah. And I think all of those places want to be queer, or at least be perceived as queer friendly, or of nothing else broadly progressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Rochester right. Pride, you know, like right. they want to be seen like right. that. They want people to, like, not only think about New York City as New York State. And so, right, right, right. Yeah. Which is the, I mean, the whole, that's a whole separate. Uh, so we could do a whole episode on that, but only seven people would be interested. 
in that. Yeah, because people are like, oh, you live in New York? Dope. I'm in Brooklyn. Can we get coffee? You're like, yeah, uh, I'll just... I'll be there in five I'll hours. I'll just hop on the air. <laughs> <Am Jack>. <laughs> <laughs> I also... I mean, that's another thing. Like, I don't think people realize New York is so big. Yeah, it's pretty it's huge. Pretty, yeah. yeah. It goes from, like, down near the city to, like, touching Canada. So, like, yeah. <laughs> it's a big state. Um, I don't... Uh, I think it's always, I, I like, kind of do, like, the double dutch thing as to whether or not I tell clients I'm queer. Um, even though I think I signify it in a lot of ways. Like. Yeah. My, I mean, on my bag, I have, like, a, uh, a big. A queer. barrage <laughs> of rainbow stickers. Definitely. I mean, you see my laptop. Yeah. Um, you take one Pretty look at that. Pretty gay. <laughs> So, you know, when I'm sitting there, like, scheduling them, yeah, like, whoa, like, really gay. Um, yeah, so, but the reason why I feel like I play, like, this double judge game is, uh, I, I can't, I can't get fully out of, like, that, um, idea around, like, therapists are supposed to, like, this isn't about you. And so, like, you need to be, like, a blank slate. Yeah. Which is sort of, like, the training in clinical mental health counseling is, like... Um, make yourself small. Like, this, is, this yeah. isn't about you. That's why it was so much shit around my hair when I yeah. was in counseling. Because, like, bitch, you be switching your hair every two weeks. Like, you're making clients uncomfortable. I'm like, actually, none of my clients have ever said anything about my hair. Only my, like... But I think it's great. Like, I mean, I don't... My therapist has not told me that she is a lesbian. Mm-hmm. But I assume that she is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that makes, um, that's like a big difference. Like, I want to know. And yes. I feel like other people want to know. I think people would come to me knowing yeah. that I'm gay. Exactly. And I, I mean, I don't hide it at all when I'm right. advertising myself. Right. Like, you, I mean, you go to my page and it's just right up there. Like, I'm a lesbian. Um, and I do also don't, like, um, like sugarcoat it or, like, try, yeah. try to make it, like, ambiguous in any way. I, so, if I'm seeing somebody, I'm like... Yeah, my girlfriend, right, or right, you know, right. like I'll say things like that, or like I was with my partner the other day, and she said, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hide it in any way. I guess like I choose to not hide it. Hide it, yeah. Um, one because I feel like I have enough wiggle room. Like I'm a, <laughs> I feel like I'm a hustler, so I got enough pots where I could get, I could pay my rent in case this fall through. Um. But, and, and two, because I always am thinking about, like, the space I create for, like, others to come yeah. through. And I'm like, if I'm sitting here being like, well, my partner. Yeah. And uh, they said, like, trying to trying to present as yeah. if, like, it could be possible that I'm fucking a dude. Right. Uh, or partner with a dude. Um, like, what am I doing to silence, like, another right, right, right. queer woman of color who comes after sure. me? Sure. So. Have you had... Can you talk about some of your... Do you have other experiences about being queer in the workplace? I think you know one. That's why you said that. I, I promise you I'm not... It hasn't crossed my mind. Oh. Well, I had a really, like, heart-touching moment recently with a teenager who was, like, rushed over for an emergency intake at my clinic that I work at now, which I really love that about my clinic, that... um. Like, we can do, like, last minute or, like, mm-hmm. emergency intakes where... Because there's really, like, two ways. You either call 911, which always ends bad when people right. are in, like, 
um, like some sort sure. of like psych- psychological emergency, or if you thankfully if you have any kind of other resources like having the number to my clinic where we like do emergency intakes, like it can get you in. You can actually speak with a counselor and somebody who's trained to deal with those things. And so um, we had an emergency intake, um, and my boss didn't know anything about the kid and was just like, "Hey, I'm not available. Can you see her?" And I was like, "Sure." And so her and mom came, and so mom's like, I'll give you some space. And so she was just, like, crying, crying, right? Like, I want this to be over. So she was, like, suicidal. Um, and just, like, I just I just want this to be over. Middle schooler. Yeah. Like, I can't I can't see this getting any better um, because I, I am gay. And, like, I just don't, I don't know, like, how I can survive this, basically. And so, of course, I was doing all of the, like, psychological first aid things and, like, the suicide assessments and all of that, like, in the moment. Because I'm like, I have to bring her down enough for her to even be able to hear me. Yeah. But then there was just this moment where she was, like, basically, like, I, like you don't understand. Like, when you're gay, you don't get through this. Yeah. And I was like, I know it feels like that. But I I do understand because I'm gay and I can yeah. tell you firsthand that I that even if it feels impossible you will get through this yeah. you have me now like you have you connected to counseling that's a lot more support than I had right. when I was going through it I was like you will you will get through this and she was like hysterically crying yeah. like because she wanted to end her life and then she looks at me and like you're gay and I was like yeah. <laughs> And she just, like, starts crying from this whole different space. Like, this space of, like... Like, she had never met another, like, queer woman who was an adult. An adult. Who who had survived middle school. And that's that's when I think about, like, the importance of, like, visibility. Because I'm sure that she has other gay women in her life. But are they, like, out and telling her that? Right, right, right. Um, Or does she know them as such? To the point where this middle schooler can't see a future for you if you're gay. Right. You know? And it just stood out to me. I'm like, damn, it's 2018. And, like, there's still middle school kids out there who are like, I guess this is the end. Yeah. (laughs) And and so, like, like I said, she started crying from this totally different space. Like, her face just, like, lit up. Um, she like wiped her tears and was just like, well, what, what middle school did you go to? And like started, started like asking me about my so life. Sweet. Yeah. And, and then by the end of the session, so this is like halfway through, she was like bouncing around the room. We have like a puppet wall cause we have really little kids at my site. She's like playing behind the puppet wall. And it's just like, I want to write a play. That's always been my dream. Like I love the theater, and I'm like, okay, do you have a theater club at school? How can we get you involved in, right? Still yeah. doing all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, um, Behavioral activation, social connectedness, so so that yeah. I'm paying attention to, because you ain't going to take your own life on my watch, right? right? <laughs> Not on my watch! <laughs> um, and, yeah, like, I wouldn't have been able to have that moment with her if I, like, wasn't a lesbian. And I, I really... I don't know. It made me think, like, what would have happened had she had, like, a heterosexual therapist in that moment? I mean, they would have done, like, probably all those things that you would have, but it would not have had, like, that, the fact that you see that immediate shift. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, my God, like, you know, because it's one thing for somebody to be like. You can make it through. Yeah, and then to be like, look, I made it through. I'm here. Sitting right, you know, right here at work talking to you. Right, right, right. Yeah. Which is how she looked at me. She was like, 
you just existed? Right. And you gay? Right. <laughs> like, yes. It's right here. Yeah. Talking to you. <laughs> and that was, yeah, that was really recent. That was like this yeah. year. Yeah. That was, yeah. I, I love that moment when you shared that. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have a moment in gayness from work? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not thinking about one particular moment. You know me. I always thinking that at the... In the broader sense. Oh my gosh. I'm just thinking about the kinds of work that I've had post being out. Um, and a lot of the anxieties. Why are you laughing at me? Just go ahead. Tell me. No, laugh it up. What? It's so funny. (laughs) This is so fucked up, so I'm not even going to say it. No, say it so people know what kind of monster you are. I just, like, pictured you as, like, a server at a restaurant. Like... You want extra onions on that? <laughs> I did work at Pizza Hut when I was 16, 15. I wasn't very good at it, but I did it. And you weren't out at 16. No. <laughs> um, so, what have I done? <laughs> You've done the dykiest occupation. That's, that's, what I was, that's what I was actually trying to get You worked at. at Home Depot. I worked at Home Depot. <laughs> I worked at FedEx. <laughs> I was a package handler, which is I bet you ironic. <laughs> um, I did the workers' center. I also worked on another um, campaign, political campaign, and now I'm doing this trade thing. Pretty gay, yeah, like really gay, like pretty butch. <laughs> yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's so funny though. This whole. Um, the whole thing that I'm doing now is like I've been wanting to do this for like five years, but this it's actually so much of the I think this is a thread that that I think listeners are familiar with and something that I often talk about um, with my queerness is like the gender piece. And I remember so my grandpa was actually a stonemason. Um, he did a lot of construction work and my uncles did that kind of stuff. And I was always very fascinated by it. And I and I remember this one time I was like joking, kind of, you know, like testing mm-hmm. the waters with my mom. And I was like, what would you think? This is when my grandpa um, was still alive. Lord rest his soul. But um, I was like, what would you think if I just went home and worked with grandpa for the summer? I was, you know, just saying, you know, I was like, like, wouldn't I be crazy if I just did that? That's so funny, man. It's just so crazy. And she was like, what, girl? And the idea, and it's so so interesting um, because it wasn't that like, oh, like it, it wasn't like you're, a girl you're not supposed to be doing this, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, we see quote unquote better for you, right? Like wow. you you, yeah. you should be doing mm-hmm. like, you know, you're you know, you've been to school, you've been a good student, like you gotta yeah. go to um mm-hmm. college. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um but like I remember like just like hanging out with my grandpa a lot, asking him questions about mm-hmm. the tools that he was using. Aww. And I remember my cousins and I, we made this bench out of wood. We made this like it was like you know, it was it wasn't I guess the only way I can describe it was like a life size like tic tac toe game where it was like wood there's like a it was made out of wood and like a mesh metal screen so mm-hmm. you like toss it's kinda like bean bag tic tac toe. Oh, wow. And so we would just like make stuff with our hands. And that was very so much Baby Keto was doing this. Right. This because this is what my grandpa did. Right. And I remember like they had so my uncles were like taking classes because they also worked for him. And I remember just like Cause I lived with my grandma when I was eight, 
because my mom was uh, deployed overseas. Um, and I found like one of their construction books, and I was like, let me just oh go. Oh my gosh, you're I can like it's porn, right? <laughs> and I was like, let me just go through this and see. Reading it in the dark when right. everybody else. Right, asleep. right, right. I, I feel like I probably would have been, I would have felt more comfortable getting caught with like a Playboy <laughs> rather than, you know, a fucking construction textbook. And I remember like, because my grandma and my grandpa, uh, my grandma's still alive, but you know, they lived. And my grandma still lives in this town. She's lived in it her whole life. So, like, we would go. It's this really small town. And my grandpa did a lot of the work. So, we would, every time, like, we would drive by houses, um, you know, my grandma, my grandma would be like, um, you know, your, you know, your grandpa did that foundation of that church mm-hmm. or that building. And I was always just so fascinated, you know, by, like, tools and, like, working with, like, you know, my, like my hands and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And it's like, but for the longest time, because of gender and, like, these things around, like, education, I felt like I wasn't allowed yeah. Um, yeah. to do that. So mm-hmm. I was at work today, and there are these, it's like these moments where I'm like, oh, my God, like, I've never done anything like this in my life. Um, so there's these moments where I'm like, oh, my God, like, you, I can't believe that, like, you know, I'm like, oh, like, I'm, I'm doing something that I wanted, you know, to be doing. I mean, the demographics are very interesting, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any, like, data on any past people, but I, I can't imagine there's been too many black women <laughs> um, in this, uh, in the work that I'm doing. But there's this book that, um, oh, my God, this is, oh, my God, I'm such a loser. So apparently all these, like, old lefties, they have, so the old school lefties are old school. So they send, like, they, I'm just, I've been added to these random, like, emails. They're not even listservs. It'll just be somebody sending out shit to, like, 60 people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and they'll be like, so, so this guy wrote this, um, some, I'm, you know, I'm a nerd. So he wrote something about, like, Hollywood and, like, the Red Scare and, like, McCarthyism. And I read it. I didn't ask to be in this man's listserv, but I was like, oh, this is very interesting. You know, it's communism, it's theater, culture production. And I was like, oh, that's great. And then I was like, hey, I was like, I don't know how I got on this listserv. Because um, I was about to email him to be like, get me the fuck off this because I didn't ask to be on here. And then later on, he sent, he wrote this review of this book called Sisters in the Brotherhood. And it's about women in the trades. And I was like, and so I emailed him back and I was like, I don't know how I got on your list, but... I really appreciate this interview. I mean, I was like this review of this mm-hmm. book that you wrote. And he's like, oh, he's like, well, the woman that wrote this book is my dear friend. And he's like, I'm just going to like connect you with her. And so she, um, she was like emailing me and just was like sending me this stuff and just telling me about like her research. So I bought the book Sisters in the Brotherhood. And it's about women. And I think there's some parts that are about like lesbians mm-hmm. um, and like their battles in the trades. What? Yeah. And like it was just because some old like, random ha- lefty dude put me on some listserv. <laughs> um, so I thought that was, um, I don't know, that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think I was excited to talk about like gay, like in the workplace, because when I was in school, this is something that I was like really interested in like researching um, because there's not a lot of talk all of the stuff that I was seeing, particularly around, um, like, lesbians, in the workplace, it was always talking about... Um, sexism and not... So it would it would be talking about sexism, but it was also usually focused on, like, like professional, quote-unquote, like, professional, like, lesbian oh, yes. women. But it didn't, yeah. it, it, I didn't see anything about, like, oh, um, the, the kinds of yeah. work 
like why mm-hmm. queer people and particularly like queer people of color yeah. um are sec are like sectioned in particular kinds of work or why like the unemployment rates like, like you think about yeah. for like trans women like the trade uh, workers yeah. or like really high or i'm right. just thinking about my own life like mm-hmm. when i see um lesbians or like masculine presenting or queer women around syracuse like there's in um so the board member for this uh, legal services um, organization, he was also on our. Um, he was on the board of our organization. Uh, he's still on the board. Like I go into his building, and like the the security guard is right, this, right, is this cute, yeah, is this cute little mm-hmm. uh, like Latinx lesbian, yeah, right, yeah. super adorable. And I think about mm-hmm. that. Why you ain't tell me about her? Never mind. That's we can talk about that all. We girl, we can go by. <laughs> um. And so I think about, like, so it's, like, security guards. I've seen, like, other... Bus drivers. Bus definitely. drivers. I used to ride Centro just to see just the Just to baddies. see I'm like, damn. Or, um... I'm even just, like, thinking about these things that my, like, other friends have done. They've done, like, black lesbian, particularly, like, masculine of... Uh, masculine of center. They've done uh, lesbian friends. Like, other kinds of, like... Like, again, like FedEx mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. working through like temp agencies doing like yeah. manufacturing work. And I was like, how come? I was like, I was like, what is, I was like, what is happening yeah. here? I'm like, there's like a broad, it seems Something. like there's like yeah. a broad phenomenon mm-hmm. happening. I don't have a mm-hmm. way to make sense of it. And so yeah. that was like one of the things that like I was really like interested in. Mm-hmm. And so when I was reading this stuff, I was trying to find research on this and it was really hard to come by, which is why when you had, I think we talked about it last episode. Was that last episode? Lesbian visibility? And you mentioned yeah. that when you were posted that Mignon Moore thing, was it lipstick or Tim? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was like trying to find yeah. the stuff specifically about like working class black oh, lesbians. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, I was. Um, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. I was even thinking about like the jobs that allow you to just like do what you got to do and clock the fuck out. Exactly. So that like exactly. you ain't in my personal life. Exactly. Like, like my sexuality and who I'm with like doesn't right. even come up. Exactly, and like those kind of jobs, have, like you can do that. Um, th- you're so well, sometimes. right. And oh, um, and so another thing that I had like come across it was I don't remember the book. It was like le- boots of leather, slippers of gold. It's about lesbian. Oh my god, that is so eighties. <laughs> I, I do think it came out in the eighties, or like, or it might have been the nineties. And so it's about like black, not black. It's about like working class, like lesbians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's like here in upstate New York. Yeah. And so it talks about like you know, kind of what we talked about last on the last episode around lesbian visibility and like mm-hmm. butch fam. And I was talking about the kinds of work, you know, that um, lesbians do. Lesbians. You know, regardless, mm-hmm. so it's not regardless, but it was like femme, uh, it was like femme lesbians were doing particular kinds of work. I don't remember. And then, like, the, but, you know, the Bush women were also doing like what mm-hmm. were considered like mask, you know, jobs that, you know, quote unquote men did. Yeah. And so I was like, so that was when I became like really fascinated. This is in so this funny because I labor. remember last summer I was, I was telling you that like all of the studs that I knew in undergrad are now cops. And I was like, what is happening? happening? Like, why are all these, like, black lesbians, like, cops now? (laughs) And so, it's it's funny that you mention that, because now that I'm doing um, these... So, the whole thing with these trades that I feel really, um, like, really astounded by, I was like... I mean, you know, we totally reject the institution of policing here Mm -hmm. on this this here program. Mm -hmm. But, like, these, like... So, 
I think I mentioned this. I don't. I don't remember on what episode. I remember I was talking about my mom and how she's always like, "You got to get yourself a government mm-hmm. job," and I was connecting it to the oh. fact that she's had a government job mm-hmm. her whole life. But it's also like after this, you know, the '60s and like, you know, the Civil Rights Act is like, you know, the best jobs specifically for Black people have been like these public sector jobs, right. and it's like it's not a coincidence that like public sector jobs are the you know they're they. I mean, the the rates of unionization have totally dwindled um, in this country. But, like, that's where a lot of, like, good public sector union jobs with, like, benefits and good wages, that's where they are. You don't need, you know, particularly, like, lots of education. And so this is what I'm kind of finding. Like, the the trades have been, like, a secret. And it's Mm -hmm. no no coincidence that they've largely been predominantly white and male. And I'm like, like, I'm doing this right now. And, like, I'm really, like, like, I've given this history about how I became interested in this stuff. But I'm also, like... Like I don't, if I would have done this earlier in life, like I don't regret how my, you know, the the path that I've gone on. But mm-hmm. like I would have had no student debt, yeah. and I would have yeah. come out. Like some of these guys mm-hmm. are really young, like in these trades are like eighteen, and you're making like, you know, depending on what you're doing, um, you're making like twenty dollars an hour, like your mm-hmm. first year, and then you go up to like twenty seven or thirty two dollars mm-hmm. an hour. Mm-hmm. And so there's guys like who are. Um, you know, they're young and they're white and they're living in these rural areas, but they're like, oh, yeah, like, I'm buying, like, they've all bought houses. They're not renting. Yeah, right. And, like, right. and again, they're not saddled with any kind of, like, debt. student debt. Yeah. And that's also, I mean, and so this is a long way of me saying, like, the reason why it's, like, you know, it's not a, it's, I think it's not a coincidence, you know, that, um, like, lesbians are doing, you know, are becoming cops. Right, like, right. those have been, you know, it's a job with a pension. Like, yeah. who who yeah. the fuck gets a pension Anymore. in 2018, yeah. right? Yeah. And again, you know, just, you know, we you know we totally are not in support mm-hmm. of any kind of policing right. on this show, but it's not a coincidence. Right, right, right. These, like, these, that certain like, things look appealing when you have certain identities. Right, right, real. right. And you live some really real lives. I was, I was... <laughs> I was finally thinking that, like, finally. <laughs> uh, Lil Wayne was singing Mrs. Officer and she was probably gay. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wasn't getting all up in nothing. Nothing. <laughs> oh, God. I was about to say something so horrific about Bobby Valentino. Let's move on. Uh, uh, so, did you want to mention this study that you found? Oh, I've got to do more than mention. You oh, know, I gosh. have, you know, I have thoughts. So, Back when I was like, no, I have thoughts. T h o u g h t. Well, you need to enunciate then. Oh, you gonna be the uh, fucking word police? <laughs> I don't. Someone just tweeted this the other day. They're like, I reject the police, and that means the grammar police too, <laughs> and the pronunciation police. Didn't right. your mama tell you about Western pronunciation? Okay, all right. Don't bring my mama in. No, she, she, are, she. You know, she's a, a bona fide. Um, what she's she, a co-host emeritus. She co-host emeritus. She's yeah. Hey, um. Mama. Anyway, you know, you know, we love you, Miss Sharon, and and I know you raise money better than this. But anyway, let's thoughts and thoughts. It sounds the same. Thoughts and thoughts. No, it's only with the New York accent that it sounds the same. That <laughs> that you gotta say it from the back of your throat. Thoughts and thought. Thought. I don't talk that way. Th- it's a thought. It's a, oh damn it! It's a thought. It's a, it's you a have thought. a thought. You have a thought. No. <laughs> stop, stop this, you monster. <laughs> anyway, I've just so it's a really long study, so you don't have to read the whole thing. We'll post a link to it in case you want to. And you could just read the executive summary. But it, this is I haven't seen anything <laughs> like it since. But this is a study. It's a really long study 
which I, but it's really important. It's called A Broken Bargain for LGBT Workers of Color. And again, I've never seen anything um, spe that specifically talks about um, or sheds light sheds light on the experiences of black queer workers or mm -hmm. uh, queer workers of color broadly. Um, so I'm not going to spend too much time getting into the details, but they just have a really expansive study that talks about how the school to prison pipeline affects uh, queer workers of color, especially like, um, you know, young folks and how like, especially when you're queer and you're gender non-conforming or when you're like outwardly um, like presenting as queer, yeah, yeah. then, you know, you're considered like um, unruly yeah. or, you know, you're yep. not, you're not obedient. Mm -hmm. You're not, you know, you're not a body that's easy that's, disciplined. Yeah. That's and in so, um, Monique Morris's book, uh, Push Out, where, uh, she talks about like the how the school to confinement pipeline impacts girls, like girls of color in yes. schools. And so like one of the stories was about a, a little black trans girl who was like always considered a distraction in right. class and would be like pushed out of class, right? Or now you have suspension or now you have detention and and all this time spent out of class cuz she was considered a distraction. Exactly. Um 79% of LGBT youth of color reported that they had interactions with security or law enforcement in their middle or high school years compared to 63% of white LGBT youth. I mean, th I mean these are st these are yeah. startling numbers. Yeah. I mean, it's almost fucking 80% of LGBT youth of color. And even for, like, white LGBT yeah. students, that's, that's fucking yeah. high. Yeah, yeah. And so they're just, and so they connect that to, like, how the school-to-prison pipeline, then um, they talk about how that connects with, like, unwarranted background checks mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. um, LGBT workers of color and, you know, how that, you know, makes it difficult to actually, like, gain um, employment. And they talk about the hiring bias and on-the-job discrimination. And it's... I remember when I was at the worker center, um, I remember I got a call from somebody who worked, um, I, well, I don't want to give too many details, but they, so they were calling because they had an issue with the boss and they were like, and also, um, and so this is something, I mean, I think we say, we've said this on a few other times on this show, but it's, it's a point that I feel like it's important, you know, and it bears repeating because this is a person who was working at like a low wage um, job, low wage restaurant here in the city and they had an issue about them but they were also like and they were like the the they were like the manager is an asshole because um they were like my coworker is trans and the boss treats them like shit and they were like I don't mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. And so there's all these tropes about how it's only like the going back to what you were saying, mm -hmm. you were tweeting about this the other day where people were like, "Oh, it's only people with educational privilege, yeah. you know, that have access to these terms and know right, how to treat right. people well." But this is a person with a low-wage job who has their own issue, but it's also mm -hmm. is like concerned about a trans coworker right, right. who they who they're like right. and they're like they're like the boss says that this person doesn't do this stuff right, but they were like, we know that their person is being, they were like, we know that our coworker is yeah. being mistreated because, because they're, they're trans, trans. Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you yeah. know, that mm -hmm. I just something something about that yeah. was just like really huge. I, I don't know, that was really like, that was just like really important. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, so often it feels like solidarity, you know, particularly like across identities mm -hmm. um, is like really like difficult, but you know, there are these moments when like it actually yeah. happens. It's, as, I, but then that yeah. uh, that's that that example, you know, that anecdote reveals like why I think the, the I think they get at it in here, but that the, like discrimination in the workplace for queer folks 
doesn't just impact the queer folks. Like, uh, the, like other people with, like, any kind of human decency are also impacted in, right. like, and work the, environments. <laughs> like and, that. And, and I think one of the reasons, because they, the reason why the person that called it got into it with the manager on one occasion, because they were like, yo, you got to stop treating so-and-so like this. Yeah. They were like, it's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think they're, um, like, the manager tried to re- retaliate by, like, you know, moving schedules and yeah. making it so that they, they couldn't work, work together. together that That's kind of so fucked up. But that just also, I think, yeah. the, that the, the the obvious, but wow. it, the important point is, like, mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons, one of the reasons why, like, trans workers have, like, I mean, the, yeah. the rates of unemployment are really, um, like, huge. What What do you realize? That I used to work at this uh, family restaurant uh, in high school. And they would schedule all of us gaybies together. Like, the whole shift is queer. Like, all of us. What do you think that was about? That maybe nobody else wanted to work with us, put us all together. Which was funny, because, like, I never, like, I never identified as gay in high school. But, like... And as we've talked about, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure it was seen from a long way. Like, all of, like, every night I worked, it was, like... The queer kids. The quiggle of queers. The quiggle of queers. Wow. So, yeah. So, can we put a link to this study? There's just... Okay. We can. But I there's one thing that I really wanted to point out. A, a glaring omission from this study. Um, so, it says... Um, you know, it says that, you know, LGBT workers you know, are more likely to be in low-wage jobs and receive unequal paid benefits um, for and benefits for their um, families and themselves. And their, um, it leaves families, it leaves these workers less likely to care for themselves and their families. And so there's this point in their article where it says um, that, you know, low LGBT workers of color are, um, have disproportionate rates of being in low-wage jobs. And in this... Sem- and it's a good... It's Don't get me wrong. This is a, I think it's a really groundbreaking study. And even though it's five years old, I haven't seen anything similar. Um, What's the glaring omission? To, I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to get to it. Oh. It says nothing about... And they even like do a good job of talking about um, LGBT immigrants um, and that kind of thing. And it talks about low-wage jobs... It talks about on-the-job discrimination, and there's no mention of unions or, like, workplace organizing. Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's not where I thought you were going to go, but all right. No, and it says, like, mm-hmm. so it says that, like, um, LGBT uh, people of color are often in, um, like, low-wage, like, service work, but they don't, there's nothing inherent and service work that says it should be low low wage work. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why service work is, you know, t- usually like quote unquote like feminized work, and it's and we know that women's value, women's mm-hmm. work in society is not valued. Mm-hmm. But you know, because like even now, like there's this trope that like manufacturing, the loss of manufacturing, and this is why you know, you know, you know, you know, the working class blue collar, you know, which is usually code, you know, for white, Mm -hmm. you know, those wages, you know, those good jobs are gone. But something that someone once said to me that's really important is like, there's nothing inherent about manufacturing, manufacturing work that, 
that says it's like good work. It was only because workers organized that those that we now know that those mm-hmm. um, were good jobs. Like it was, you know, like the UAW, which is the United Auto Workers, um, you know, that fought and so many other unions that fought to make sure that those um, had good jobs. So it says nothing. The only mention of unions in the whole um, piece in the whole study is that they give an example of about how um, queer workers don't have protections on the job. And one of the examples that they gave is that there was a group of undocumented immigrant workers um, that were fired for participating in union organizing activities. And in 2002, the Supreme Court ruled that they were not entitled to get their wages back from uh, when they... Um, because they were fired from the organizing. But outside of that, it says nothing about, um, you, you know, workers organizing, organizing as mm-hmm. how that could, like, improve the conditions mm-hmm. of um, LGBT uh, workers of color. And the reason why that is important is because, at, especially at the federal level, there are, I think it's, so in New York it's called gender. There's, like, you're not allowed to discriminate on the basis of, like, gender identity. But it's, especially now, it's, it's almost... Mm-hmm impossible to win those kind of um, legislations at the federal level. So there are unions like the United Food and Commercial Workers that are like, because it's difficult to win those kinds of, um, those anti-discrimination laws at the federal level, one of the things that can actually protect queer workers in the workplace are strong collective bargaining agreements that are explicit about like anti-discrimination. And so one of the things that they, so they had like sample language for what um, anti-discrimination language for like LGBT workers would look like in a collective bargaining agreement. And so they had like a process for, you know, not just saying that like, not, you know, not not only making sure that like people had access to funds so they could um, transition, but like what the culture of the or of the workplace was going to be like when someone transitioned. So like educational things, making sure that people had access to use whatever bathrooms that mm-hmm. they needed and um, other kinds of, um, again, protections that you may not be able to win at the state or at the federal level, but that could have you some kind of teeth in yeah. your workplace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because that's not mentioned anywhere in this study. So and so one of the... That's so that's what my thesis. I think I'm gonna try to make that, <laughs> put that in there. But and it's interesting because one of the people, one of the organizations that sponsored this study was SEIU, which is Service Employees International Union. And there's no mention of unions or organizations like worker centers that can actually collectively empower all workers, but particularly like LGBT workers to have some kind of like some kind of power in the workplace to not just change the conditions, but to fight against the anti-discrimination, to fight against things like the like the background checks that disproportionately like affect mm-hmm, LGBT mm-hmm. workers of color as they laid out. You know what this thing. is like making me think is like all of these queer mental health providers that have reached out and been like, hey, money, I see you. We need to make like a collective of queer mental health professionals. Yeah. Like, woof. Yeah. I could easily see, I mean, um, like, there's a lot of things around, like, queer people seeking mental health services, but also, like, for those of us who are mental health providers. The the mental health workers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Alright. You can see I've been itching. I I can see. To talk about When you say you were excited about the topic, this is what you were really excited about, you dweeb. (laughs) Mind your fucking business. (laughs) Mind your own business. 
Oh God, there's <gasps> something else I feel like I wanted to say. Oh, that's I just wanted to make a plug for a book called Out in the Union, and it's a book that really ties that really does a good job of tying together. LGBT uh You need to put a, a bibliography together of all the books that you've mentioned in this episode. Thank you. I could have finished making the APA the pitch. format. Okay. Preferably. It's about to be money about to get her ass whooped in format. We all know that. Run tell that. If it... 2018 Slade, comma, in period. No, Slade. Wrong. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's the Sladadian form of Sladadian? Yes, I have I my, like the- I have my <laughs> own citation form. Sladadian format. That you know that that, that sounds official. <laughs> and in the Sladadian <laughs> method. <laughs> the year comes first. <laughs> I was gonna say, since we've talked about you know, work and being queer, use the hashtag QueerWOC and tell us about your experiences, about being um, out or not out in the workplace, or questions that you have um, about queer folks. And, you know, I'm sure there's some nerds who are listening who might want to know a little bit more about some queer labor history. You know? That's a particular type of nerd. I mean, I I think you've cornered the market on that type of nerd. Um, But... (laughs) If there's anything else that they would like to share, I've all right, y'all. We gotta Bye. go. Bye. Adios, it's friends. It's latest shit. And talking about work, I gotta work in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> this, this podcast don't pay no bills. Put the song in. <laughs>